morning. If you'll turn with me to John chapter 19. John chapter 19, we're going to read a couple verses there to get started. But once again, we'd like to say Happy Mother's Day to all the moms who are here. And uh, I do hope and pray that this will be a very... uh, a day of good blessing for each and every one of you. Jason, should I go ahead and use that? Okay, okay. To begin with, though, I'd like to ask a question. Many times I've heard people say, when Jesus was on the cross, He was thinking of you. And I believe there's a lot of truth to that statement because we understand that when Jesus went to the cross, He was there not because of anything of Himself, right? The the penalty for sin is death. And so this death on a cross was something that the Romans came up with as their process of of capital punishment. And uh, Jesus was there on the cross because He was there to pay for your sin and for mine, to make it possible that we could be restored to a relationship with God. And so as God the Father was judging all of our sin... Jesus was very much aware of why He was there, and it was your sin and mine that brought Him there. So, when people say, Jesus was thinking of you, there's a sense in which that's very true, because He knows every single thing about us, and every single thing that we've done wrong is the reason He was there, and He had to suffer for each and every one of them. But you know, what we learn in this passage in John 19 is that on top of thinking, of thinking of every single person in the world, not only alive at that time, but all before and all since, there was one very special person on Jesus' mind. If you'll turn with me to John 19, verses 25 through 27, I'd like to consider these thoughts. And Jesus is already there, nailed to the cross. And it says in John 19.25, Now there stood by the cross of Jesus His mother and His mother's sister, Mary the wife, of, the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw His mother and the disciple whom He loved standing by, He said to His mother, Woman, behold your son. Now let me just say, in our society, if we turned to someone, especially our mom, and said, Woman! It wouldn't be taken the right way, would it? But that would be like saying, ma'am. There's a good southern term of respect for you, right? He was speaking respectfully to his mother. And in their culture, he said, woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her to his own home. Does it strike you that in the midst of all his suffering, being stretched out by those nails that he had to pull against just to breathe another breath, and then as soon as he relaxed, the wood would push the air out of his body and he had to fight again hour after hour for every breath through all the pain. And yet there upon the cross, in the height of his suffering, he looks out and he sees his mom. And he does something about her situation. Now, we don't know exactly what happened to Joseph. 
Jesus' father. But he's not mentioned any time after Jesus is 12 years old. And yet here he is in his 30s. We hear about his mom. We hear about his brothers and his sisters. But his mom has been left alone. And as the oldest male in her house, he had taken it upon himself to look out for her. And he was about to depart from this earth. And he was taking care of his mom. And we have three verses here in the Bible to describe the tenderness of his own heart towards his mom as he honored her in these last few moments of his own life. It's a great example for you and for me, isn't it? Now, we have a lot of moms in the room, but we've got a lot of people who are not moms in the room. But you know what? We've got every single person in this room is a child of somebody. And we've all got a mom. And the Bible says, honor your father and mother. When we're children, the Bible reminds us. I meant to put that up there for you ladies before. Happy Mother's Day. It's one of the first verses we sometimes teach our children. And it's a good one for kids. Right, children? You little ones living under the roof of your parents, under their authority, day by day, the Bible says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. It's a command. But, you know, as we as children grow up, and we leave the house, and we start our own homes, our responsibility towards our own parents has not ended. The Bible goes on to say in Ephesians chapter 6, and it's quoting from Exodus 20, where the law The Ten Commandments were given. And it says, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, commandment, with a promise. Isn't it nice to know that if you obey a command, there's actually a reward and a promise built in with it? Sometimes we command our kids to do things and we're not expecting to give them a reward for it. They just need to do what we told them to do. And that's right. The Bible says so. This is right. But, If we honor our father and mother, the Bible says it's a first commandment with a promise that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. Now, we know that that's not uh, how should I say this? There are tragedies that happen in life and people die young. But, you know, in those days, They were told that if a child was rebellious and refused to listen to their parents, they were to take him out in the streets and proclaim to everyone this child refuses to listen, it's rebellious. And they said, take up stones and stone that child. So, there's a certain sense in which part of that promise is, listen, you uh, honor your father and mother, you do what they're saying, you're going to live longer. You're going to make it out of the teenage years. But also, that it may go well with you. You know, when I was teaching school... I had a number of juniors and seniors who would come to me and I, I, I appreciated that they felt comfortable sharing with me their struggles and their problems and whether it was during lunch or after school and whatever it was, some of them would talk about the struggles they were having at home with their parents. But there were times where it wasn't just the normal give and take of two sinners living in the same house together. I realized that part of the problem is they didn't know how to perform the command of this verse. All their problems would be because my parents just don't understand. They always treat me wrong. My boss, who I finally got a job for, he, he fired me because, because, oh, it's his fault. He doesn't like me. 
And my teacher, oh yeah, they got it against me. And everything's everyone else's fault. Well, you know, suddenly you begin to realize the problem in your mind is in the wrong place. Fundamental lesson, life lesson 101 is learn to submit and obey your parents that it may go well with you. If you can't learn to live with your parents who brought you into this world and who love you, then you're not going to be able to submit to anyone else either. And you're going to carry all those problems of your brokenness and your bad attitude and your rebellious spirit into every other relationship in your life, and it's not going to go well for you. So what's going on in the home is foundational for life. And part of that is for each of us. Not only to learn to obey while we're young, but even in our adult life to honor our father and mother. And I pray that today, no matter who you are, if you're a mom, I pray that those who uh, are in your family are taking it to heart so that they will honor you, but that each of us should honor our own moms today as well. You know, there's another verse in the Bible that talks about this, 1 Timothy 5. And this one is, uh, I think, something Jesus was taking to heart in the passage we've already read in in John 19. See, the church was called upon to take care of those who belong to that body of believers. And uh, in that day, people didn't live as long as they do today, and there was a lot of younger people who were finding themselves without an income, and women in that time couldn't own property and, and, and... Things were passed along to the male children, and so they could be on, the, on their ear, out in the streets, unless their family came to their aid. And so the Bible said, if there were any widows that had children or grandchildren, He said, let them first learn to show piety at home. Learn to be holy and, right, and live rightly at home and repay your parents. They've invested in you all your life, and now they're in a time of need. He says, repay them. Learn to live a holy life at home and deal with your parents correctly for this is good and acceptable before God. But if anyone does not provide for his own and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. The privilege of being called a child of God. We, 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 we realize we don't deserve this great privilege to be reconnected and restored to a relationship with God. And uh, God is saying, worse than rejecting God's gift of eternal life is to be a believer and not honor your parents the way He says we should. So we've got a strong command. Thankfully, for the most part, although our parents are not perfect, they do do some things right, don't they? (laughs) And we can find those and honor them for those and appreciate them because... We are who we are today because the investment that our parents, and especially, I think, our moms, have invested into us. And so, with that in mind, uh, I just wanted to say, okay, I mentioned children in general, but let me just say, about mothers, this day is filled with so many different emotions. For those who are moms, that range could be very far. Pride and joy over having a child, but also sadness 
over broken relationships over years gone by. But even for those who are not moms, there are those who wish they could be moms and cannot. There are those who, whose moms are no longer with them and they wish they could be. There are, um, <laughs> it's funny, I, every time I, 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 I thought that, I think about some of the young people I've known, even some in this very assembly when they're in the youth group. You know, some, some people, they just want to be moms from the beginning and, and they just can't wait till they can, can find that one the Lord's preparing for them. They get married and they start their own family. And there are others who are kind of afraid of it and they, they think, I, if it doesn't come, if it's not in the Lord's will, I, I think I'm okay with that. There's a lot of different emotions on that. Um, I knew there was something else I wanted to share. Thinking of those moms, or those ladies who are not moms, and wish they could be. There was a time in my life before I came back to Florida where I was living in North Carolina. And the chapel that I started going to, I didn't even know there was one in town until my dad told me. And unfortunately, it was like only a month before I came back to Florida. But at that time, I was going through some struggles, and there was uh, uh, an elder in the meeting there who asked me to come to lunch with them. And so I did, and, and uh, he got to know me just a little bit. He said, listen, why don't we get together tomorrow at lunchtime? Because I was working at the aftercare program, and so I didn't go into work till 2. And so we decided to get together mid-morning and, and have brunch, and, and we sat there in this restaurant, and he started asking me questions about my life. And uh, that began a relationship that grew very deep very fast. One of the things that amazed me about this particular couple as they took me in, Jim and Mamie Watson was their name, and uh, they'd been unable, unable to have children. And in fact, she wasn't expected to live out of her teenage years because of some condition that she had, but she lived until her mid-80s. And at this time, they were both in their early 80s. And as they welcomed me into their world, I realized, you know, I wasn't the only one. There was countless other young people and college singles that they had kind of taken under their wing and invested in. And you know, sometimes even though we may not be related to the people that we choose to kind of adopt for a while into our lives, um, we can have that same impact. Sometimes we as parents get a little bit too close to the trees to see the forest. We may not be as compassionate in certain times as we'd like to be. But sometimes those who come along from the outside can really take us in and, and listen and counsel and, and help bring restoration in some of those family relationships. You know, that's what I found as I got to know Jim and Mamie Watson. Is that they, they just kind of reached into my world and touched my heart in a way that I didn't expect. And in one short month, uh, they became very dear to me. And I wrote letters to them and went back and visited them until one by one they went to be with the Lord themselves. But I just want to encourage you no matter who you are today and what stage of life, there's, there's something to take away from this message as we talk about moms today. Now, mostly I've been talking to the ladies. Can I just talk to us men for a moment? All right. Some of you young men who don't have wives, you do have moms. But I would just like to say, as we consider our own moms and as we consider 
Mary today. The person we're going to consider is Mary, the mother of Jesus. Take notes. And add to the list I know you've already made up of the woman you're looking for. And make sure some of these qualities are on that list. The ones that you have learned to appreciate and love in your own mom and what we see in these women in the Bible like Mary. And for those of us who are married, may we not only honor our moms, but our wives. They're doing a very tireless... No, it's quite tiring. It's not the word I'm looking for then, right? They tirelessly labor... (laughs) But they do get tired and they need our encouragement. And I pray that as we consider the traits in Mary that we're going to look at today, that you will be encouraged to cheer on your own wives, your own moms, as they seek to walk and labor and finish their race of life for the Lord themselves. And maybe if you're one of the older men who um, maybe your wife is no longer with you, but you're looking at your own children, you're looking at other young families here in this chapel or wherever other circles you go, that you'll kind of come alongside the other young men to help encourage them to honor their wives and their moms to finish their own race well. You know, the Bible says in Titus 2, I think I saw the reference up there a minute ago, the older women are encouraged to teach teach the younger women, I often marveled at this, to love their husbands and to love their children. We talk as if loving your children is so natural to mothers. And there's a certain sense in which it is, right? But you know, life happens. And difficulties come. And, and uh, we don't just want to be reactionary. We need to help one another to finish the calling that God has given us. And to help our moms. Because you know what? Moms are not getting the support from society today. If a woman tells her co-workers, I'm staying home with my kids the discussions they get. And uh, I know my wife's heard them. (laughs) I've heard them as uh, we've talked to others along the way about our own life. And so we we do want to discuss what the Bible has to say for moms today, especially as we look at Mother the Mary of Jesus. You know, okay, I know I'm not Dr. Humphreys, but I, I, I I do appreciate the comics. You know, Family Circus is one of our favorites. And I thought the perspective of a mom is so different. Here's dad sitting at the table reading, reading the paper and he looks out the window and says, boy, sure is a gloomy morning. Mom turns around and says, listen, I think I heard some rays of sunshine right now. And they're in the next room. There they are. Can't see them, but she sure heard them. All that bouncing around and laughter and screaming in the next room. You know, sometimes we dads can get a little frustrated at the noise. But uh, something about a mom and her perspective that hears music when the world hears noise. But Mary... What kind of perspective did she have that singled her out that God would choose her to be the mother of Jesus? That's what drove me to consider this passage for today. And um, if you'll join me in, in looking at Luke chapter 1, I want to go to, uh, to look at just a few of the passages that just give brief mention of some of the things that Mary did and what she thought and what she said that gives us insights into why God chose this woman of all the young maidens in Israel to be the mother of Jesus. And as we consider who she was and the great calling that God gave her, I just want to encourage you again, ladies and moms, about the great calling that God has given you. 
And I realize that there are certain situations in life that may prevent some moms from being a a stay-at-home mom with their kids. And by all means, my thoughts this morning are not meant to browbeat anybody. But I do know this. In the church of God, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, he says, Paul tells Timothy that, that women are not permitted to take leadership and authority in the local church. That has been reserved for the men. But lest the women feel like they've been relegated to no place of authority or impact or ministry, there are plenty of ministries in the local church also. But he specifically says that the women would find... It says they will be saved through childbearing. Strange passage. We could debate on a number of things of what he's talking about. But I think one of the primary thoughts involved in Paul's expression there is that there is great value of investing in the next generation. And God has privileged the moms to take these little infants from birth all the way through their years of growing under the... to mentor them to pour their lives into them and to produce the next godly generation for the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why when God was looking for who would raise His Son, He went looking for a specific type of person. Who was this woman? Luke chapter 2 will tell us, excuse me, Luke chapter 1, tells us that when Gabriel came to speak to her, this is Luke uh, Luke 1.26, in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent by God to the city of Galilee, named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. There she is. What do we learn about this woman from this brief encounter? Isn't that encouraging? And so, Mom, the Lord knows your name, and He's watching you, and He notices all those little things. And what what else did we notice about Mary? It wasn't just that she lived in obscurity, but the Bible also tells us that she lived a life of piety. And for some reason, my clicker's not working here. So, um, there we go. It says that she was a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph. You know, in our culture today, by the time people are engaged, and especially by the time they get married, many of them are not virgins living lives of purity. And she was already betrothed. They don't, and so, you know, once again, I want to say to the ladies here, especially the young ones, It's worth living a life of holiness. God is watching. And there are blessings and rewards for living life God's way. And these are fundamental values that God observes. And He wants you to continue in them. And so don't be discouraged. Continue to live your life according to God's will and God's plan. But those are outward things that we can observe. Just setting the scene. Inwardly, we see some other things about Mary. Number one... The Bible tells us she was humble. When the, when, when the angel came and spoke to her and gave her this message, she actually says here in verse 29, she was troubled and considered what manner of greeting this was. He says, you're blessed, to, highly favored. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And she's sitting here thinking, is he talking to me? What kind of greeting is this? She was a humble person. She didn't think of herself more highly than she ought to think. And... Sometimes we may be very gifted at something and we begin to think that we're really something. But, you know, here she was living a life that pleased God. And yet she didn't think more highly of herself than she ought. She was a humble person. Verse 38, she said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, be it done to me according to your word. 
she was taking a place of humility before the angel, even though he's telling her she's being greatly blessed. And then also verse 47, she says in her prayer, for God has regarded the lowly state of His maidservant. That's how she saw herself. Nothing special, ordinary person, but God was noticing and God was going to honor her greatly. What else do we notice? Verse 38, she was one of a submissive spirit. She said, let it be done to me according to your word. When she understood, she may not have fully grasped and understood its meaning and how it would all play out when God said, you're going to have a child. And she hadn't come together with her husband yet. How in the world can that happen? But she said, it's okay. Be it done to me according to your word. I will accept the word of God. And so she was submissive to God's will. And she received that assignment. She was believing. She she asked the question, how can this be? And yet it wasn't a blind faith. She said, be it done to me according to your word. She trusted the word of God, even when it didn't make full sense. And you know, that's a good lesson for you and me too. Um, we're not going to understand everything. We can understand a certain amount and it's good for us to think it through. She was very thoughtful when she heard these things and later we'll see when, she re- when things were revealed to her, she pondered them in her heart. She was thinking about them. So, you know, we need to live by faith, but it doesn't have to be a blind faith where, we, where we're, we're totally mentally unengaged. There's things that are credible in God's word, the prophecies that he's given, the accuracy with which God has spoken to the very... <clears throat> whether the word is singular or plural. And we can trust God's word. <clears throat> and she was believing. But I'll, there's also this about Mary. She was worshipful. When she goes and gets this news and goes down to visit her relative Elizabeth, the Bible says that when she arrived, the baby leaped in Elizabeth's womb because she was pregnant also. And then when Elizabeth turns and, and, and blesses Mary... It says, blessed are you for believing what was told to her, for it will surely come to pass. She said, blessed are you among women. Mary, I don't know whether she falls down. I picture her kind of doing that, but she may not have. She begins to, to just pour out this, this prayer and this poem to God, blessing God. And she says in Luke 1.46, My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit is rejoiced in God my Savior, for He has regarded the lowly state of His maidservant. And behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. And she goes on and sings about the greatness of God and how He's remembered His promise and He hasn't forgotten the suffering of His people and He's raising up for Himself as Savior and she is worshiping and praising God. This is just coming out of her heart. She didn't have it prepared. If I had to write this poem, I'd probably still be writing it. But it would just flow from her heart. And so... I think it pleases God, thank you, to see us taking a place, not just outwardly going through the motions of saying, i got to follow these rules, but we see that internally she was a humble person who was truly submissive to God's Word and she trusted God's Word when He spoke and she worshipped Him from the heart. And that pleases God. Well, that's from Luke chapter 1. But you know, in Luke chapter 2, we see Jesus growing up. And we learn a little bit more. Well, I guess first he's born, isn't he? Right? It says that when this baby was born, they didn't have a place to put him. And so I see a very practical person. She looks around and sees this 
feeding trough, this manger, and she makes it up to make a place for her baby. You know, moms, we, you have to be that way a lot, don't you? MacGyver's got nothing on moms, I tell you. Because in the middle of life, when I'm sitting there trying to figure out, okay, if I go to the garage and I find this, and I can kind of tweak this, and if I'm a, and all of a sudden, mom's got it halfway done. I don't know how you moms do that. He's made you different. And I rejoice in the way the Lord has made women so different than, than we are. Um, I have trouble monotasking, much less multitasking. But this woman, she took what little she had here in this difficult situation and she made it work out of love for her child. And uh, uh, I know a lot of you here have that same heart. So she was very practical minded, but also I would say ponderous. I didn't know how else to say that. But you know, when, when, when the shepherds came to her home, and in Luke chapter 2, we read about Mary. It says, The shepherds came with haste and found Joseph and Mary and the baby lying in the manger. And they told them the things that the angels had said to them concerning the child. And look here at verse 19. It says, But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds go on. They run out. But she's still thinking about all that's going on. And I don't know. If you're like my wife, you wake up in the middle of the night, you can't go back to sleep, you're thinking about all those things that were going on during the day, and there's mom figuring out what she needs to do. Pondering them in her heart. Um, but that was Mary. And she was taking it all in and paying attention. Now, not all of it was nice. Verse 51 of this chapter. Oh, I'm sorry. I got ahead of myself there. Verse 34 and 35, I was going to come to that later, but you know, Simeon met them at the temple when they came to dedicate Jesus to the Lord. We talked about how we're going to have a baby dedication service in a few weeks, but when Simeon, this old man, sees Jesus and he speaks a blessing and a prophecy over the child, verse 34 says, He spoke to Mary, his mother, and said, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. You think she remembered that and pondered that through her life? Oh, yeah. And I'm sure she remembered it when she sat at the foot of the cross of Jesus and He was there hanging on the cross to pay for her sin. And she realized, you know, it's not just Him suffering up there. A soul was piercing her heart also. And you moms know what it's like for your children to suffer. I still remember the day I got in a motorcycle accident wasn't too bad, a rainy morning, uh, but I went around the corner on the way to school and my, my bike just slid down the street and I was wearing short sleeves and my, my arms just got scraped really bad. And I finally got my bike started and no one stopped to help. All the cars just went by staring at me. And um, I rode back home. Good thing no one could hear my screams with the cold air blowing on my wounds, but I got home and I tried as nonchalantly as I could to walk in the back door. I didn't want anyone to freak out. I just kind of stepped back in and said, Mom? And I don't know where she was in the house, but she came running full speed from the other side of the house. What's wrong? She knew just by the tone of my voice that something was wrong. And moms feel the pain that their children go through. Mary was that kind of mom. Obedient. 
You know, it says that they went every year to go down to, uh, to Jerusalem to worship the Lord at Passover. It says they did everything that they were supposed to do in verse 39 for the dedication of their child when he was first born. And they were careful to perform all that God said that they should do. You know, that's important. People today in our society say, well, you know, it's not such a big deal. Not a big deal. It's just a little thing. You're making too big of a deal out of that. It's just a... Well, I mean, do we realize what we're saying? I mean, yeah. Adam and Eve weren't Hitler in the garden, but all they did was eat a piece of fruit. But the wrath of God came down. They were cast out of the garden. They were cut off from God. They started to die. Jesus had to die on the cross for a bite of fruit. And we pass off sin like it's nothing. Eh, it's not a big deal. Look at what he's doing over there. You know, the world, it's nothing compared to what the world's doing. But you know, it's not the world we're going to stand in front of when we, when we depart this life, when we go to stand before God. And the books are going to be opened. And he's going to look at our life compared to his word. Not just the word that's written, but Jesus Christ, who lived the life that we all should be living. And every single one of those would earn us death, except by the grace of God. If we accept Jesus' death as our substitute, we put our trust in Him, and we can be saved and spend forever with Him. But see, they were careful to be obedient to all that God had commanded. And not, but you know what? She was not a perfect person. This same chapter in Luke chapter 2 tells us that here she was, they lost Jesus. They came back from, the, from, from Jerusalem. They thought he was with the family and friends. And they got to the end of the day's journey. He wasn't there. Oh, no. So they got to travel a whole day's journey back the next day. And by the time they get back, they still don't find him. They're on the third day and they're finally looking to find Jesus. And they find him in the temple. And he's like, didn't you know I had to be here at the temple? I want to be about my father's business. My heavenly father's business. And you should have thought to check here, right? They didn't understand but it says he still went home and was submissive to them. He didn't hold it against his parents. He realized that they were human sinners, just like you and me. And that's a trait that I can relate to. Sometimes I don't feel too obedient. Sometimes I don't feel too practical. I don't feel too humble. I can surely relate to that. But you know what? Jesus understands. That's why he came to die. So he could take care of those areas where we have failed. And uh, yes, she had her moments of failure in the home. But you know what? The Lord knows how to make amends for those. And He'll show us how to make amends for those. And they, they set things right in their house too. If I could just consider for a moment the last words of Mary. You know, if you go to John chapter 2, Mary's given a lot of pedestal time that she doesn't deserve. Some groups of people put Mary so high on a pedestal she's not even human anymore. Some people would like to say she's a co-redemptor. She actually helps to save us. The Bible doesn't say anything like that. She's been blessed to be the mother of Jesus. She did live a pious life, but she was human. She sinned. She knew that she needed a Savior. But you know, here in John chapter 2, Mary is invited to a wedding. Jesus is invited to the wedding. It's a friend of the family, and they go there. And... While they're there celebrating, Mary comes to Jesus. Verse 3. When they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, Hey, they have no wine. And Jesus says, Woman, 
What does your concern have to do with me? My hour's not yet come. He's like, this isn't our wedding. I don't know why you're coming to me. I'm not in charge here. That's they, you know, this is their responsibility. But see, she's a woman who has compassion. She cares about these friends. And she sees they have a need and they're going to be embarrassed. The, part, the, the, the celebration's going on and the wine is run out. And she says, Jesus, can't you do something about it? She's a caring woman. But she's also a wise woman. She turns in verse 5 to the servants and she says, Say, what, if you ever want to give someone some words of wisdom from Mary, whatever he says to you, do it. Sometimes people's last words are put on their epitaph. So people can come along and read them and remember something they used to say often. But, you know, wouldn't it be great to be known as someone who says, listen, whatever Jesus says, you just do it. That's her counsel to the servants. And they did it. And they saw the miracle God did. You know, if you and I would take God at His word, we would be blessed also. It says this, Mary was a disciple of Jesus. We don't hear her following Him around like the disciples did, listening to all that He taught. But you know, when Jesus died and He went back to heaven, the apostles gathered around with 120 people who gave their hearts and lives to Jesus. And they were up in the upper room praying, as Jesus had asked them to do, to wait for the Holy Spirit to come that they might truly be possessed by His Spirit and serve Him with His power. And Mary was there. Mary was there. She said in the Magnificat, My soul rejoices in God my Savior. She knew she needed a Savior. You know, if you're one of those people who's put Mary on a pedestal thinking she's something you're not, realize she's a sinner who needed to put her trust in Jesus to be saved just like you and just like me. She was human. But you know what? She was favored by God because she had these character traits that we've been talking about today. Yes, she lived a life of obscurity, but she learned to live a life of piety and holiness before God as she gave her life to Him. And as she did, she was obedient, she was humble, and she was submissive to the will of God. She was a worshiper of God. She was a caring person who thought about things and pondered them and and felt the pain, not only of those around her, but even her, especially her children. And she was a follower of Jesus Christ. My question for you today is, are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Perhaps you've heard about Him all your life. Perhaps, just like you've heard about Mary all your life, you just kind of thought of her as this person, that you, you know, and you didn't really give a whole lot of thought to Jesus Christ. Just someone who lived in history. But you know what? This woman who is highly favored of God said what He says to do, you do it. And you know what Jesus said? Come to me. Are you labored and burdened by all the sin in your life? You know that it's separating you from God? He says, come to me and I'll give you rest. Those are the words of Jesus to you today. See, that's the reason He hung on the cross, to pay for your sin and for mine. But you know, just the fact that He died doesn't, doesn't make it yours. If I had a gift that I was offering to everyone here, if you didn't come get it, it wouldn't be yours. It'd be available but not yours. And if you want the forgiveness of Jesus Christ to be yours, you've got to receive it. And so by faith, just like Mary did, you can say, I believe that Jesus was the Son of God. I believe that He did come into this world without sin so He could take my place there on the cross. You know, the moment you put your trust in Jesus Christ, the Bible says He forgives you and gives you everlasting life. And you'll spend forever with Him, just like all the rest of us who've already done that. If you've never done that, I want to challenge you. Don't leave this room until you do because you're not guaranteed tomorrow. 
But for those of us who have done that, I want to encourage us again, to challenge us again. Are we following the example of Mary? Do we get a little prideful about who we are? Get frustrated by our obscurity, trials, the things about God's will that we don't understand? May we be encouraged like Mary. You know, the Bible says this in 1 Timothy 2. Um, it says there's lots of different vessels in a house. Some are for honor and some are for dishonor. But if anyone will cleanse himself of the dishonor, he will make himself a vessel of honor fit for the Master's use. If you belong to the Lord Jesus, He's given you His Spirit. And He wants you to respond to His working in your life to clean out the stuff that's not pleasing to Him, to live a life that is pleasing to Him. But we've got to be willing to cooperate. And you know, maybe you like me have made the decision years ago, I want to follow Him. I want to cooperate with Him. But you know, there are ways in which we fall short. And maybe there's one of those areas today in your life and God's saying, you know what? You need to work on that. You need to work on being a little more humble, Dave. You need to work on being a little bit more submissive. And stop challenging me because you don't understand what I'm saying and just accept what you do understand. And trust me. Whatever He says to you, do it. I want to leave you with Mary's words. If you're not a believer, come to Him as He said to do, that you might be saved. If you are, respond to the area of your life where He's putting His finger saying, you know what, you could do better in this. You could please me more in this, like Mary did. Do it. Give your life. Give that area of your life back to Him today. Father, I want to thank You for the moms who are here. They've given up these hours on their Sunday, the first day of the week, the Lord's Day, to be here under the sound of Your Word. And I just pray, Lord, that that You would make these thoughts about Mary not a condemning, critical comparison, but an encouragement. Just as she, although a sinner, could live a life that was pleasing to You, as she submitted herself to You, You've given the same ability through the power of Your own Holy Spirit for us to do the same. And so I want to pray for all the moms in this room that You would help them. Lord, we, we, we think of the way that You have used the moms, like Mary in the Bible, like Lois and Eunice and so many others who poured their lives into their children, teaching them the Word of God and training them and, and modeling in their own lives what you would have their kids to emulate of a heart inclined towards yourself. Would you strengthen and encourage them in that process today? And would you help those of us who are around them to pray for them and to hold them up and cheer them on that they might finish their race well? Lord, we thank you for the examples in the Bible. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that helps us moment by moment. We pray that as we part our ways today, Lord, that you would give us a time of celebration with our families as we remember our moms and, uh, and let the moms in this room be honored by their family, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.